So let's just read um, the bit of script that she's going to speak on. So it's, it will come up on the screen. So Colossians 2, 6 to 23, reading from the NIV. I'll start reading. Um, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to live in obedience to him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him so you'll grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all he has done. Don't let anyone lead you astray with empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the evil powers of this world and not from Christ. For in Christ, the fullness of God lives in a human body and you are complete through your union with Christ. He is the Lord over every ruler and authority in the universe. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. It was a spiritual procedure, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. In this way, God disarmed the evil rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross of Christ. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths, for these rules were only shadows of the real thing. Christ himself. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on self-denial. And don't let anyone say you must worship angels, even though they say they've had visions about it. These people claim to be so humble, but their sinful minds have made them proud. But they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For we are joined together in his body by his strong sinews, and we grow only as we get our nourishment and strength from God. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the powers of this world. So why do you keep on following rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't eat, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teaching about things that are gone as soon as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, humility, and severe bodily discipline, but they have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. Right. Quite clearly says in scripture there that the only way for spiritual maturity and to attain maturity is to let our roots go really deep into Christ into that good soil that he provides. And then we will see growth in everybody. If you remember, Jesus shared a parable when the farmer was sowing his seeds. Okay, some fell on the footpath and the birds scooped it up straight away. 
Some fell on shallow soil, and that couldn't take any roots. It shot up quickly and then just died. Some fell among the thorns, and they grew up and just choked it. But some fell on good soil, and the roots were deep, and there was plenty of fruit. But you see, it's like that for us. If we just have a very shallow faith, then we will just die. It will just die in us. People give their lives to Christ every day. But that's the first step. And we've got to go deeper. And that, as a church, puts a responsibility on us as well to care for those new Christians, to care for those who've put their trust in God. It's so easy to say something, to agree and to be part, and then you go back to your mates at university or you go back to your mates in school and suddenly you're choked. The thorns grow up around, the ideas grow up around, or it doesn't have any depth at all. If our walk with God has no depth, it'll die. If we're nurtured in good soil, it will mature. It said in verse 7, Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him, so you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Paul is sending this message from prison to the church there about not letting a life be based on human ideas. They are of the world and they're not of God. There are lots of people around in the world at the moment who give a false religion to people, who say you need to follow this or you need to do this or this is the way. The number of things we see on the television screen that says this is the way, you've got to do this. That will help you grow, that will help you mature. But they're man-made approaches. They're not of God. So to avoid these, we daily need to focus on God. And I mean daily, and probably not just once a day, many times a day. I have the fortunate advantage of walking a dog. Oh, it's a great time to pray. It really is. And I'm sure some people must think, she's an absolute loopy person, that one. Especially when I'm singing in tongues, they must think, what a crazy woman she is. But they probably think my husband's crazy as well because he does the same. You have to focus in God and you have to have the support of others. That's why God has put us in this family. So we have the support of others. And Paul reminds us that Christ is the fullness of God. And when we accept him, that's all we need for our salvation. We don't need all these extras that people say. That's all we need for right living. Let's look at verse 9 and 10 and let's read it together. Okay? For in Christ that lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head of every ruler and authority. The head over every ruler and authority. We don't need those additions that people will tell you. We're complete in Christ. Jewish males, as he's Paul reminds them, were circumcised. 
But Christ's death means we no longer need that for our commitment is in our heart. God has given us a new nature. He talks about baptism. Yes, it's important in some ways because it's a symbol, it's a sign of dying to the old self and rising to a new life in Christ. But it doesn't say it's essential for that to become a Christian. I grew up in a Methodist church. They don't do baptism like that. Okay, I was baptized as a baby, but they don't do baptism like that. But I made a commitment to God when I was 12, and I grew up in that church. Then, later on, I got married, and we went to a Baptist church. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that as a symbol, as a sign. So I was baptized then. But it didn't mean in those interim years in between, I wasn't one of God's children. I was baptized when I was 25, but my commitment was when I was 12. Before we believed in Christ, our nature was evil, rebellious, ignoring God. Perhaps yours wasn't as bad as mine, but I know I struggled a bit when I went to university. Newkey Brown tasted quite nice, so we'd go down the pub. I wouldn't drink it now, but anyway. And those late night parties that went on a long time. I don't think I, in my own mind I was that sinful, but I drifted away from God. And it was my father's death that brought me back to God. Him not being afraid, he was dying. But the penalty, once we accept God, the penalty for death, for the penalty for sin, has gone. Because it's been nailed to the cross. What a thing to think about. We might sin still. I must admit, I do occasionally. Pete will tell you, just occasionally. Well, quite often, really. But we're not slaves to it because our, we were bought and we were bought out of sin by Christ. The debt is paid. Don't let anybody tell you, you have to do this to be saved. Jesus did it all for us on that cross. He swept away. We're a new creation. You're a new creation. Robin's a new creation. Everybody here is a new creation. Sonia's a new creation. Derek's a new creation. We're all new creations. Let's just say that. I'm a new creation in Christ. Let's say it. I am a new creation in Christ. That didn't sound very convincing. <laughs> Let's say it again. I am a new creation in Christ. That's right. And Paul goes on to say, don't ever let others condemn you. And they're trying lots of ways. What you eat. I'm sorry, if you're a Christian, you should be a vegetarian. Do you not care about God's kingdom? I'm sorry, if you're a, uh, a Christian, I'm not sure you should be going to the pictures. Certainly not on a Sunday night. No, come on, that's ridiculous. And how do you worship? Do you have a nice pipe organ? Or do you have those dreadful drums and guitars and things like that? How do you worship? 
And what do you watch on TV? Are you somebody who watches just songs of praise? Or do you watch the detective programs? I'm a bit of a detective fan myself. Or if you're with our grandchildren, it's Peppa Pig, Peppa Pig, Peppa Pig. Now that I'm not quite sure is part of a Christian growing up really. It's there. <laughs> anyway, but these things which should not divide us, but they do. They do divide us if we're not careful. But at the same time, we've got to be very careful because Jesus warns us not to lead your fellow Christians or anybody else into sin. Now, I know in Manchester, we had a friend who had a real problem with alcohol. He, he was an alcoholic and he'd come through it. So whenever he came for dinner, we never had any alcohol. We never got the wine out because you would not want to bring him back or to tempt him into other things. It might be something to do with what you watch. If that tempts somebody into a not good thing, then we have to be aware of other people. But they are not there as don't, don't, don't. They're there for you to be aware of the people you are with, aware with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't be a stumbling block to somebody, okay? But there are many different ways the church can worship and move on. As I say, I was brought up in the Methodist church. Then Pete was brought up in a Baptist church and we went to a Baptist church in Manchester. My twin sister goes to an Anglican church. My son in Glasgow goes to the, a cathedral up there. And yes, okay, their son asked, why do they all wear dresses when they walk down the aisle? And why do they carry that big book, Daddy, which is the scriptures? But as they're carrying the big book, the toddlers are hanging on to their dresses as our son would call them and there's two old fellas sitting in the back row with their dogs but they're all accepted and they're all worshipping God but they're worshipping in their different ways and the worship should bring a richness together how much more if instead of criticising how they do something somewhere else we join together. What does that say in Worcester? When we join together and the churches join together and they worship together and they pray together, that brings a richness and it brings a witness to the rest of the community when we are together on these things instead of being judgmental to each other. Paul tells them not to be judgmental not to undermine the unity. Let's read this scripture. Okay. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as it Thank you. What forms that nourishment, and what forms, how are you receiving that nourishment? Sounds a big thing, nourishment. We always think of food straight away, don't we? But I'm talking about the food of God. We get that nourishment 
by being part of this church family. If you look around, if you talk to people, there are many, many mature, spiritually mature Christians here. And they're there for us to talk to if we're worried about something. They're there for us to spend time with. Now, you might spend time in a small group over playing a game of Scrabble. But still, you're talking to other Christians. When you go out for a walk with Barbara and Jill on a Monday afternoon, there are two mature spiritual ladies. And as you talk, you will grow, you will feed on God. So we don't dismiss those things as not being important. And Bible study is incredibly important. And LTG. I'm very fortunate because I'm in a, an LTG and have been for about the last 15 years when it was first proposed with Mary Handy. And at first it was Liz Thomas and now it's Jill. And that is wonderful because it keeps me on track but it also gives me chance to share my worries without undermining other people and I know they're prayed for. We've been seeing so many miracles happen because of the faithful prayer in that group. Um, the depth that we can get to is so important. And worship, that nourishes us. Prayer, gatherings together at different stages. And as I say, small groups. But this is, these are all ways in which Paul encourages people to feed on Christ and what he's done for us. We can dismiss them as being time-filling, time-filling. Oh, no, I'll just do... But they're so important. That's how we become spiritually mature, by spending time with these different people. When you think about it, you think about a baby, the first thing it does is manage to turn over. The next thing it might manage to crawl and move across the floor. Then they toddle. And then they walk. Our youngest granddaughter has got that funny walk at the moment still where she's just past toddling but not quite into running. Well, if she runs, she tends to flatten flat on her face. But she's maturing. She's growing. The next thing is she'll run. She'll charge and charge straight at Pete and say, Grandad, Grandad, can we watch Peppa Pig? <laughs> and then the next thing she'll be doing is jumping and skipping and so it can move on because she needs to mature and it's the same for us we start by toddling we start by crawling but then we get to the stage that we run with God we jump with God we skip with God it's exciting your daily walk will become exciting and then we'll be able to discern what is of Christ and what is just merely human teaching? We will be able to ask God. Yeah, you can ask for wisdom of Henry, of anybody here. But we can also ask God. And that's the first place we need to go. Is it wise, God, that I do this? Or, God, I've got this decision I need to make. And I just don't know what to do about it. And you've got to weigh it up before God and ask him. There'll be chances to grow closer to God as the Holy Spirit helps you discern things and as you understand. This slide says, and I think this is really important for me, 
Changes may be slow, but they will be significant. Remember that. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. They might have been away on a conference or on a music worship um, conference or something like that. And they come back all fired up and they come back and you think, oh, I wish I could move on that fast. But that's not how God works. God knows you as an individual. And he will move you at the pace he wants you to move if you will let him. And as I say, they might not be fast, but they will be significant. And the thing that about those changes is they will be witnessed. They will be witnessed by your family, by your friends, by your work colleagues. They will see the changes and God will use that incredibly. When I'd been baptised up in Manchester, we'd been there a long time and we'd been told we couldn't have any children but we'd had a word from God. God gave us a prophetic word that we would have children. Not just a child, children. And the inspector from the school I was teaching in invited us over for dinner one night. Pete and I, oh, this is a bit strange. Don't normally take somebody from just the local primary school for dinner. Anyway, we went over and he said, I've asked you over because I want you to take this headship of this school out in the country here. Country from Manchester, but it wasn't that far out, but anyway. Uh, we want you to take the headship of this school because we feel you will just fit in and you will move it to the next stage. And he was all excited. And part of me was so excited. But God said, no, because you're going to have a family soon. So can you imagine this bloke's face when I said, well, that's really kind of you, but we're going to have a family, so I can't. can't. He said, but you've had time off from work to go to the hospital, and you can't have fa family. No, God has promised us. And this bloke thought it was completely loopy. He really did. But he accepted it. Now, can you imagine his face when the next thing is I said, I need maternity leave now, please, because we're expecting our first baby. That is a witness to him. An incredible witness, but he's standing for your faith. But as I say, it doesn't make you free from all the sin, and people will see occasionally. One night at after school club at Purdiswell, when I managed that, somebody had jammed everything on the shelf, and I went to take one jigsaw out, and I'm not kidding, 15 fell. Can you imagine a pile of pieces and the Lego? And I just said, pardon me, God, bloody hell, this is ridiculous. And standing by the door was the manager. Anyway, what was strange, we cleared it all up, got on with it and everything, and she didn't speak to me for about four or five weeks. I could not understand this. And I said, have, have I offended you or something? She said, well, I know you're a Christian because the rest of your life, she said, but that language you used then, I was just amazed. But you see, we will still sin. We will still fall. But people will notice the difference in us, and that's incredibly important. And that's as God is maturing us, not into swearing, but maturing us as characters. 
and they will see that, your family most important around you, your teenage children you're struggling with, your grandchildren you're struggling with. Perhaps your old mum like me you're struggling with, I don't know. But God, the maturing of you, they will witness. And I know I'm laboring this point, but God, but sorry, but Paul labors the point. Our salvation does not depend on our own discipline and rule keeping, but on our power of Christ's death and Christ's resurrection. So to mature, as Paul tells us to, as he says we need to mature, this is what we need to do. So to mature in Christ, and the rest of us here will witness it, we need to live daily in his strength. Not trying to do things in our own strength. When we get up first thing in the morning and we walk the dog or we have our bowl of cereal or we get in the car and go to work, whatever we're doing, put before God the things you're facing that day. Explain to him your timetable. And live in his strength that day. And every day spend time in prayer, in his word, worshipping God, which for me doesn't come naturally. Partly because even my kids used to say, when I phoned them up, they were at university to wish them happy birthday. Thanks, mum, but don't sing it. <laughs> and I can remember being, being told... Perhaps you should just open and close your mouth and not actually sing the words out. Now, I don't think I'm holding a grudge about it, but this was the choir at, co at school, and each, each group, each house had to have a, a choir. And they asked me to stand on the front row so it would be filled out, but not to actually sing out loud. And I, I must admit, I can't sing in tune. Whereas Pete will stand up, used to be sit upstairs on, in his office, and when Jenny was playing the piano, shout down, that's a B-flat, Jenny, because she'd got it wrong. And he knew it was... He, I didn't. It sounded okay to me. But, okay, you need prayer, his word, worship, and you need that fellowship. Don't isolate yourself. Even if you're going through hard times... And even if you're angry with somebody, and even if you're disappointed with the church, don't isolate yourself. Find fellowship within the church. And last of all, be filled with that spirit. Ask God to fill you with his spirit each day, and you'll be amazed the things he puts in your mind. You'll be amazed the thing he puts on your lips. I was able to say to somebody I was dog walking with who was explaining something they were struggling with, I'll pray about it. Okay, she thought, well, Lord. But a few days later, she said, that prayer stuff must work. So be bold. Let the Spirit make you bold. Then we'll know what really matters and not what the world says matters. Don't be dragged into that world. And we can all agree. Now, I'm going to ask you in a minute to read something with me that goes across all the churches and sums up what Paul was saying. But he's got one word in it that might throw you. One bit it says Catholic. Number one, it's a small C. It means a variety of things. My husband Pete's got Catholic taste in music. We'll go one week to a Baroque concert. 
The next week, you'll find us in the arena at Birmingham listening to Pet Shop Boys or going to Liverpool for the weekend to listen to Blondie. And then he'll be playing a John Wesley hymn on his on the uh, piano. That is Catholic. That's the variety. So we're going to read this together, okay? And it is saying the variety. It's coming up. Can you see it? Well, those of you who can see it, okay, let's read it. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one being the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate of the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified and conscious Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with scripture. He ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God. He will come again in the world to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will said in many churches Nicene Creed it's shared in the Anglican Church it's shared in the churches up in Scotland it's shared in the Methodist Church it's shared in the Baptist Church because it's holding fast to what is really important let the things we do bring us together as churches bring us together as people not make us judgmental of others. Amen.